Uh, it's good to be here again tonight and to see everybody. Uh, yesterday, a lot of people were coming to me and telling me they appreciated my testimony. It was a bit, it was a bit heavy le- last night. And so uh, I thought I'd tell you a couple of um, interesting things. You know, we love doing what we do. We wouldn't be there otherwise, you know. Um, but we, we enjoy it, and our kids do too. And I, I, I always wonder about that as a mom. I mean, I'm dragging them. They have to come. They don't really have a choice, you know. Um, but I wonder if they enjoy it or not. And someone asked them the other day at the banquet, you know, are you guys excited about going back? And our kids were like, yes. <laughs> you know, we can't wait to get back. And this surprised me a little bit. I was like, I wasn't so sure that they were that enthusiastic about going back. And they're like, I'm like, you really excited? And they're like, yes, that's our home. You know, I mean, that's where we grew up. You grew up here, but that's where we grew up. And a lot of times people say, well, how long have you guys been on the field? Well, our second oldest daughter, Ashley, was born on the field, and she's she's 13 now. So we've been, and she was born the first year we were there. So uh, it's been a while now. And God has blessed us. You know, we come across a lot of different things, interesting things. Um, you know, in Zambia, it's a, it's a totally different culture. And I remember one of the first times we were, we live in a small town called Mbala, and one of the first times we were there, um, we were shopping this little bitty store. It's not really a grocery store, but that's pretty much what it was. I'm, I wouldn't call it a grocery store, though. They didn't have hardly anything in it. Um, we went in. I was shopping. This guy comes up to me, and he's like, Madam, Madam. And I was like, yeah, you know. And he's like, come, I want you to see my lice. And I was like, I was like, no, you know, it's okay. I don't really need to see your lice. He's like, no, no, come on, come on. I want to show you my lice. And I was like, I really don't want to see it. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't want to. And, and he's like, so persistent. I mean, what do you do? You know, I'm like, okay, just let me finish my shopping and I will come and look at your lice. You know, I was like, can't believe I'm saying that, you know? And I'm looking around, hoping that Jim will come back sometime soon because I really don't want to go with this guy to see his lice. And uh, I finish my shopping. I procrastinate as long as I can. The guy comes up to me and and he kind of leads me outside and I'm like, oh, what is happening, you know? And I, I go outside and he comes and shows me this humongous bowl of rice. I'm telling you, I was so happy. I was like, rice! And I was smiling and excited. He thought I was going to buy the whole bowl, and I didn't even buy any of it, but I was just so happy that I didn't have to look at his lice. Um, and in Zambia, they, they switch their R's and L's a lot. You know, they, that's just a common thing they do. So revelations, levelations, and, we, you know, sometime, one time somebody was writing down um, in the expense book at school, they bought a lake. I was like, we bought a lake? You know, I was like, they bought a rake, you know. So it's, they do that a lot, and you have to be careful um, when you're talking to them. You don't get confused. And uh, another time we had went down to get uh, the school paperwork taken care of because we, we run the Christian school, and we wanted to make sure everything was in order. And I, I the, the lady had been real mean to me, you know, you've got to get all this stuff done, like this, this, this. And I was like, okay, I'll take care of it all. And I went and uh, to get the paperwork that I, that I needed, and they gave me um, – a liquor license, Baptist, Baptist liquor license, and I was like, it didn't look good on paper, you know, I was thinking we might get in trouble at home, you know, this is not a good thing to have, and I tried to give it back to him, I said, you got to fix this, you know, we're Baptist church, we're Baptist school, we, we don't need a liquor license, we need a, a license for the preschool, you know, and they're like, no, this is fine, it'll work great, and I was like, okay, you know, they said this is what I need, I paid him the money, I went back to the office, and the lady, she's like, uh, 
she's like, uh, what is this? I mean, she started yelling at me again. Why, what are you doing at your school? You know, why do you have a liquor license? And I was like, no, this is what your guys gave me. They work for you. And she goes, you take it back to them. Tell them I said they had to fix it. So I went back. It didn't take them very long to fix it. They just had to type in the other words on the paper, and they printed it off. But they were just being lazy. And, uh, you know, sometime back, I was talking to this this girl. Me and Jim often teach uh, children's church when we um, when we go around, and uh, there was a there was a seven year old girl, and uh, I was, I was I was able to we were we had broken them down into groups. They wanted to get, she this group of children wanted to get saved, and we always like to talk to the children again because we want to make sure they're understanding what they're doing. We don't want them just to say some prayer and then wonder someday if they're saved or not. So we were really talking to them, you know, in small groups, one on one kind of things, and I, I had about five girls with me, and uh, I went through all the scriptures again. I, I said, do you guys understand what we're talking about? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, does anybody not understand what we're saying? And this one girl's like, um, she raised her hand. She said, I don't understand. I said, what don't you understand? She said, I don't understand anything. I was like, okay, well, you stay with me. And I sent the rest of the group on to pray with a, a helper. And I started talking to this girl again. So what don't you under? You know, we, we started talking from the very beginning. And, you know, for, about Jesus. And he, and, he, and he died on the cross. And she goes, well, who is Jesus? You know, I don't really know who he is. And I was like, well, he's God's son. You know, that's a simple answer. Jesus is God's son. And then she looks at me, she goes, but who's God? And I'm telling you, I was shocked. I mean, I, I've taught kids a long time. I've been around. I've witnessed to people. And no one has ever asked me that question, who is God? And I looked at her, and I was thinking, how do you explain who God is to somebody who has no idea? And I, so I just started to say, well, God is the one who made everything. I mean, he made you, he made me, he made the sun, the moon, the stars, he made everything. And her eyes started getting so big. I mean, she'd never heard this before. And she was getting excited. You know, this is something new. I, you know, she'd only heard God's name maybe in a curse word or something like that. And we started really talking, and, and um, I got to really plant a seed in that girl's life that day. And afterwards, I was, and this girl wasn't in Zambia, by the way. She wasn't in Zambia. Then I found this little girl in Florida. Seven-year-old girl here in Florida had no idea who God was. So when I see these ministries you guys are so excited about getting involved in, I'm like, praise God, somebody's doing it. You know, these kids, we think that they know. We think that everybody in the United States know who, knows who God is. But there's a whole generation growing up that doesn't have a clue who he is at, at all. And so I just think you guys are doing awesome, and I'm so excited to see what you guys are doing and going to do in the future um, to win these, win these people for the Lord because they're right in our own backyard. So thank you for sending us. Thank you for doing it here at home, and God bless you guys. Um, <clears throat> I had something scary and also good at the same time happen yesterday, right before service. I got out, and uh, you know, I've been dealing with the blood clots in my legs, and I went out, and I went to the bathroom, and, I, and when I looked at my legs, my legs were green. And I, I yeah, green, I was like, so I started, my, you know, my heart started pounding, I'm like, man, something's wrong here. You know, I'm messing with my socks, you know, trying to start slapping my legs and everything. 
I come in here, I start, maybe I just need to get the blood flowing back in them again. So I'm going, and this is before service. You guys had no idea what was going on, but I'm marching around there, stretching out my legs and everything. And then, then I realized something. I had been wearing a brand new pair of jeans that day. And so I started thinking, I said, you know, I want to see something. So I went there in the bathroom and took some, you know, paper towel, a little bit of soap, and I was able, and it came off blue. So my legs were not turning green, but right before church, I almost had a heart attack because I thought, you know, I, my legs were going to fall off, you know, me. but you guys had no idea, but, but it was a big praise because nothing bad actually happened. Um, uh, one of the cool things about where we live, uh, uh, you often have opportunities to, to witness to people and, and give the gospel, and uh, one time we were, I was traveling with uh, Brother Stan uh, and uh, uh, his future bride. We were taking care of all the preparations for their uh, marriage ceremony. You have to do that. You have to go down to the family, and you have to ask permission. You have to take care of the dowry. You have to take care of all this different stuff, and that's a unique cultural thing to be a part of, and so I got to do that, uh, but then uh, uh, as we were pulling in, I took him home where he was staying, where his aunts were staying, so I took him to a place that was like the other side of Lusaka. This is about 15 hours where we lived, uh, and so uh, I've taken him to a big old city, millions of people there. And so I take him into the, where his aunt is staying, and, and we pull up into the driveway. And I get out of the car, and, you know, I'm just talking outside the car. And, and I hear these two, two kids' voices, Pastor Jim, I'm in the middle of a city, millions of people, and no one knows who I am. You know, and I'm just like, Pastor Jim, what is going on? These two little kids come running up to me. Pastor Jim, do you remember us? I'm like, no, I don't remember who you are. They go, we used to live in Imbala, and when we were in Imbala, uh, you led us to Christ, and you baptized us, and you gave us the Bibles, and they ran inside and grabbed the Bibles that they had, and they brought them out to me. And to me, I, that was just the coolest thing. I had never had anything like that happen, and just to be 15 hours away in a town with millions of people and have two little kids come up to you, that was a huge encouragement for me. Uh, has nothing to do with the message, but I just wanted to tell you guys that, because that, that's pretty awesome, you know, when things like that happen in your life. Um, today, you know, I really, I really like that, you know, you guys are excited about uh, doing, especially the sports ministries. I've always done uh, a lot of sports ministries, especially in Zambia. We do the, I do the basketball coaching for the uh, local high school, and uh, our student pastor, he's a result of that ministry. He came to Christ, started coming to church. You know, I was just there at the, the high school doing some devotions with the young men, and he ended up coming to church and got saved, and now he's studying to be a pastor. So that is a very, very fruitful ministry. Uh, but today I want to talk to you. I mean, it's, it's good to have uh, that enthusiasm. And even yesterday when we got with, done with the message, I was really pumped up to share, share, share the gospel with somebody and, and, and to, to invite people to church. And I even got that opportunity today while we were swimming in the pool. Had a couple of guys asking where we were from and everything. And got to, I get to use a missionary card. You know, I'm from a missionary in Zambia. Oh, where, what you doing here? Da-da-da-da. I got told them I was preaching tonight, and they, they looked at me, and they said, no, it's okay. We're going to eat here tonight. That, that was a joke. Uh, okay, very good. Um, no, they had some kind of little buffet thing, but I invited them to church. But, you know, who, who was excited yesterday about sharing their faith? Anybody? Who's done it so far? Who did it today? No one. No one. You're excited, but then you don't show up and do it. Now, it's, it's sometimes intimidating, isn't it? I believe it's the desire of our hearts as Christians to share the gospel. I mean, God puts it in us. He puts a light in us that burns in our hearts 
and, and we want to let it out. But many times we are timid or afraid to talk to other people about Christ. And, and that's kind of what we're talking about today is we come across all different kinds of people. Uh, and, and, and the hardest thing today is to be able to proclaim to them who the real Jesus is. Uh, because there's so many different views of who Jesus is. Um, uh, as, and as a, being a missionary, we need to be able to defend and talk to people about who Christ is. Uh, in, in Jude chapter 3, oh, I got the clicker thing, don't I? I was pointing to them to do it. That does nothing for me. Let's see. There we go. Jude chapter 3. It says, It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And also 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. And Ephesians 5.11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather to reprove them. Uh, you know, Jesus today, he's got to be more than just another program. You know, Jesus, he's got to be more than another methodology or preference, and he's got to be more than just another religion. And, and today, people, uh, they have no idea uh, about uh, who Jesus is, and, and we have all these different religions that are floating around us. And, you know, God, he doesn't, he doesn't like religion. He hates religion. He wants relationships with people. He doesn't want another religious people, a re religious group. And, and so, uh, and it's not a religion. I remember growing up, uh, after I was first saved, I didn't really understand. I mean, I still was a young Christian, and so I was about 12 years old, and I had a guy that wanted to fight with me. And you know what I said to him? I can't do that because it's against my... I didn't, and we, and we think about that, you know, uh, and sometimes we use that as, as an excuse. I can't do these things because it's against my religion, but, you know, Jesus Christ is more than a religion, and we have to treat it as such. And, and when we take a look at the real Jesus, uh, we kind of get a, a, an idea of how we can talk to other people about who he is, because we come across all different kinds of, of people, and it's good for us to have uh, some... Uh, equipment or some resources that we can use to talk to people about Christ. Because I believe in our hearts, we want to tell people about Jesus, and we're going to have all these people that are going to be showing up very soon, aren't they? You know, you got a great, I love the Upward Sport Ministries. It's a great thing, uh, but we're going to have all these people. And wouldn't it be great if we had people who are equipped to go talk to them about the Lord? That you don't have to feel shy when they say, oh, I go to Catholic church, or I go to a, a Seventh-day Adventist church, or I go to a, a Jehovah, Jehovah Witness church, or I go to this church, and, and as soon as they say the name of the church, you don't really understand what to say to them, so you just kind of keep your mouth shut. Oh, okay, that's nice, and you just kind of walk away. You, but that's not what God wants us to do. You know, sometimes we, uh, we, we don't take the extra step in our faith to learn more so that we can share with others. We need, we need not to be those Christians like that were in Corinthians that just had the milk of the word. We need to be able to have the meat of the word as well so that we can tell other people about Christ. Uh, uh, and this is where we get to the term uh, apologetics. Now, when I was in Bible college, I had no idea what apologetics was. Now, I didn't think it was like you had to, it was a study of how to apologize. I understood it wasn't that, you know, because, you know, but for some reason, I kind of thought, you know, maybe it has to do with the way that we need to repent for our sins. You know, I thought maybe it was some kind of soteriology course or something like that. But I had no idea really what it was. 
But apologetics is nothing like that. It's, it's the idea that we need to be able to talk to other people about what we believe. And, and, and many of us, we know what we believe, right? I can tell you that Jesus died for me. I can tell you that he rose again from the dead. I can tell you that he's the son of God, that he is God in the flesh. And we can say all these different things. But to be able to, uh, to back that up, to, to, to get it from Scripture and to talk to people about those things, many times we get overwhelmed. We know the truth, but we don't really know how to express it. And so when we get questions that come back at us, we don't really know how to respond to those things. But I believe as believers, we should know those things. And we shouldn't use it just to excuse, oh, those are things for the pastors or those who are in full-time ministry. I believe that we're all in full-time ministry. And so we need to equip ourselves to be able to share the gospel because that's our desire, isn't it? To tell other people about Christ. And I believe that once we have a lot of this, this knowledge of the scriptures that God wants us to have and the ways that we can do that, we'll feel more comfortable when we talk to people. Now, there's still that the extra step of talking to people. You, know, some, you still have to make that effort to open your mouth. But I believe if you have, uh, you've been uh, preparing your heart and you've been praying and asking God to bring people into your life, that he's going to allow you and, and bless your efforts in bringing souls to you so that you can lead them to Christ. I, I think that's one of the greatest things as a believer for me that I've ever done is lead another person to Christ. I still remember the first person that I led to the Lord. It was a little girl during vacation Bible school. I was in high school, and I got to lead her to Christ, and I still remember her. I don't remember what, what her name was, but she was a little girl, had little chubby cheeks, blonde hair, and I got to lead her to, to the Lord. And that was the most exciting thing that had ever happened to me. And still today, when I get to lead another person to Christ, it, it just thrills my soul. And I know it thrills that anyone that, that does that, it just excites them that they get to tell other people about Jesus and to see that no longer are they in darkness, but now they have hope in their life. And so uh, the first thought today, uh, let's look at one more verse right here. It says, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby uh, they lie and wait to deceive. There, there's too many people out today, they just get tossed back. And you'll find, I find that where I live in Imbala, there's so many religions around. You'll find people taking this religion, this religion, this religion, and they got so much junk in their heads, they don't know what to believe. And we got a lot of people like that today in the States, don't we? They got so many things that they've heard. They heard on the radio, they heard on the news, they heard it from this church, they heard this guy come and talk to them with their pamphlet. You know, and they say, hear all these different things, and they really don't know what to believe. Or maybe they grew up in some church, some group, and they've just always been that, so they have no other idea of what, what, what there is. Just because it's just, that's just the way I grew up. And, um, and so we need to be first willing to uh, defend, defend your faith. And we need to first be able to defend the deity of Christ. We have to, we have to be able to defend uh, our belief that Jesus is more than just a good teacher. You know, did you know that Islam, they teach that Jesus was a good teacher? He was a good prophet. He was a good guy. You know, uh, you know one of the hard things, I, I remember witnessing to a, uh, a Muslim guy. Uh, he was, uh, it was actually uh, my, our first mission conference. I went to find a flag at a flag store, and a Muslim guy was working there, and I was talking to him, trying to witness him and share the Lord to him. And he, he told me that one of the reasons why he could not believe uh, that Jesus was God is because of their viewpoint of what women are. Women are lesser. So how can anything good come from a woman? 
That was what he believed, and that's why that they couldn't trust that Jesus was God. Because nothing good can come from a woman. It's just their perspective. And so you find different, different thoughts, process from just like that. And, and, and it's got to even be more than just a little God. You've got all the different other groups out there. You have your Mormons. You've got your uh, Jehovah Witnesses. And they believe that Jesus is a lesser God, that he was crea- a created being. So how do we talk to these different people? Well, one, i, I got some scriptures if you've got to write them down. Uh, you, you know most of these. So this is kind of like a, just kind of list. If you come across those different people, you can talk to them, use these scriptures to talk to them. These are the ones that when I have a Jehovah Witness or maybe a, a I don't, we don't really have any Mormons in our area, primarily the Jehovah Witnesses, uh, and we have a lot of them in our part. And they're always out every Saturday. You'll see about, uh, you know, 40, 50 of them out sharing, sharing their, their, uh, their twisted faith. And so I come across them, and, and I remember one time coming up to them and, and uh uh, they were talking to this guy and trying to get him to, uh, you know, come to their church. And they were standing there, and I knew they were, I knew they're Jehovah Witnesses. And, and I had a group of uh, young believers with me. And, and 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 you know, do you ever get those moments in your your life that you just kind of get irked? You know what I'm saying? You see something wrong, and you don't want to sit around and watch it happen. And so I walked in between both of them, the Jehovah Witnesses and this guy. And I turned around, didn't even look at these guys. I said, you know that they don't even believe that Jesus is God. I'm from, the, I'm from this Baptist, Lake Chila Baptist Church. I want to invite you to a place that actually worships the living God. I said, you, I would love to have you come. And the Jehovah Witnesses were like this. They didn't know what to say. And they walked away. I, they walked away. They were going, I don't know what that white man was doing. But, man, he, he just walked up and just interrupted us. And, you know, because there has to be, there has to be that kind of a desire that when you see false teaching to be able to stand for the truth. And, and, and how we can do that many times is by uh, uh, using the Word of God. And, you know, just simple verses like John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Jehovah Witnesses in, in their New World Translation, they like to take, uh, they like to have that verse right there, and they put a little G, and the Word was with a God. Okay? And they actually put an article in there. But if you didn't know that, in the, in the Greek, there are no articles. So they've inserted this into their translation to try to twist the truth of who Jesus is. And, and one of the things that you can take them to is the next verse, uh, one, of the net, one of the verses down in verse 14, where it just says, And the Word became, uh, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of, of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. And who is this? This is Christ. He became flesh. He's the one that came down to the earth to die for us. And then we also see other passages. And uh, uh, in John, I like this passage. This is probably one of my favorite passages to use, especially talking with somebody um, uh, about the deity of Christ. And it says, uh, verse 29 says, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And my Father and I are one. Then the Jews took stones against him to stone him. And Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you uh, from my Father, for which are those works do you stone me? And the Jews answered, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, for, but for blasphemy, and because thou, thou uh, being a man, makest thyself God. Now, they can't really say anything, because when you start talking to a person that believes that Jesus is not God, especially maybe a Jehovah Witness, you'll, you'll find out that that person will start talking to you, and, and you'll say, Okay, you'll take, they'll take the John 1 and say, well, our translation doesn't have that. 
but you can even take them into their translation and you take them to this portion of scripture right there and they're stuck because then you say, well, why did they want to stone him if he's just a little God? It was saying that he was equal to God, that he was being God. And that's why they were going to stone him. And they can't have any, there's no answer for that for them. You know, one of the things with a, a person when you're trying to uh, share the gospel, they've been taught to talk in circles. Okay? And sometimes that kind of gets us frustrated, you know. But it's good just to bring them back to the point and ask them questions. Why would they stone Jesus if he was just a little God? Because there are no other gods. And for one, one to claim to be God, that was blasphemy and worthy of death. Uh, to the Jewish people. Um, also, uh, another one of my favorite verses to use, I like Hebrews 1.8. And, and this is uh, a God the Father speaking. It says, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, a scepter of righteousness and the scepter of thy kingdom. Just simply claiming out, God the Father claims that Jesus Christ is also God. God himself is speaking to the Son, saying that he is God. These are some things that you can use to talk to people that say, Oh, I don't believe that Jesus is God. Because we need to be able to defend the deity of Christ. We need to be able to know what we believe and why we believe it. Now, also we have, we need to be able to defend, I don't know if you can see that well, the sufficiency of his death. This is those grace, this is the uh, salvation uh, plus works type of groups. Those that maybe teach uh, that you have to uh, be a good person and believe in Jesus. We have a group called the United Church of Zambia. They believe that. They say, you have to follow the footsteps of Jesus and also believe that he died for your sins. Or you also, and then you have the Catholicism as well, that believe the same, very something very similar. They believe in uh, uh, their sacraments. Their sacraments plus what Jesus did on the cross. And that what Jesus did for them is not enough. Even in the Catholic Church, they still have Jesus hanging on the cross. That he's still paying, perpetually paying for their sins. Uh, so, uh, Seventh-day Adventist. They, they believe that uh, uh, Jesus now is in the Holy of Holies, and he's still working out salvation, that he hasn't fully completed it yet. You know, people don't know that here. Seventh-day Adventists are not Christians. Did you know that? Some people don't know that. Uh, and they hear them on the Christian radio, and they hear their, their name being promoted, and they're not Christians. I passed one down the street the other day. And it says, John three sixteen for God so loved the world. And they try to act just like we are, but they're from the same group that the Jehovah Witnesses are from. They do not believe that Christ alone can save. We had a, uh, there was a group of them uh, that put a big sign, it said, and the sign said for the revival that they had, that G, uh, uh, you're not saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone, but by the law. Okay, this is the thought process. And so you come to these people that say, okay, you have to believe in Jesus, and that's good, but then you have to do something on top of it in order for them uh, to get into heaven. And uh, it's kind of like, um, uh, a guy, I like to use this illustration when I talk to them, uh, and you can use it too. It's just like there's a guy, and he's in the desert, and he, he's parched with thirst, and he finds a well. And when he sees the well, it says, free water. But instead of drinking from the well, what does this man do? He grabs a shovel and starts digging his own well. That's works-based religion. It has a par it's very close to the truth, but they have to do something in order to keep their salvation or in order to obtain that salvation. And usually there's no hope with them. You talk to somebody that believes this way, one, the answer that you mostly will get is, I hope. I hope. I like that, I, that little cartoon track you have there. It's a very good one. You know, had the little guy with the little big ears, you know, and it's Mr. Somebody's really nice guy, 
you know, there's a little track back there. It's really nice, and I liked it. Uh, but it just talks about, you know, uh, your good deeds and your good works, and they're not going to save you, you know. Just, and that's what most of the religions teach today. Uh, in Hebrews uh, chapter 9, verse 11 and 12, it says, But Christ, uh, being, come, uh, being come on and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Verse 12, neither by the blood of the goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having attained eternal redemption for us. That's a past tense right there, meaning that it's already completed. So, uh, you know, when Jesus said it was finished, it's finished. It's not something that we need to add to. Okay, and so for those people that are holding on that, I got to do something for salvation. I got to be a good person. I got to keep the Ten Commandments. You know, you show him verses like this. Jesus has already paid the price. It is complete. The redemption is paid for. He's not still working out your redemption. It's done. It's taken care of. And then also you got up passages uh, like Romans 3.20. I love Romans uh, chapter 3, chapter 4, verse 5, chapter 5 as well. All those passages in there. It talks a lot about the law. Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 2. Uh, very strong passages about the law that Paul writes about. It says, thereby... Uh, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in the sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. No one can be saved by keeping the law. Uh, there's, no, there's no way that you can keep all the Ten Commandments. And, and uh, I, like, I like in my church many times, I'll have people raise their hands. Has anyone ever lied? You know, and then I'll tell them a story. You know, I lied this, this before. Has anyone ever stolen anything? You know, yeah. And I keep my hand up too, yeah. Has anyone ever had a moral thought? Keep my hand up there too. Why? Because I had also broken all those things. And if a person, Galatians 2, uh, chapter, uh, uh, James chapter 2, uh, not 2, yeah, two, chapter 2, verse 10, talks about how um, if you break one of God's commands, you're guilty of breaking them all. It, it, that's in that, and so you point to different things. So uh, there's not a person that can be made right in God's sight by keeping the law. No matter how good they are, no matter how many times they try to keep God's commands, if you break one of them, you're guilty of everything. Just one time. That means at one time in your entire life, and that's all you ever sinned, you would be guilty before God. And then you talk to him, you know you've done these things. <laughs> you know, especially if you know the person, you're like, yeah, man, man brother, you, you, you know, I know you, and you know me, and you know I'm not perfect, and I know you're not perfect. But, you know, you can't be made right by doing the things that God, uh, by, by trying to keep the law, because you'll fail. Because the law points out, it's a revealer that we are sinners. It points out and says, hey, you know, you're guilty. You're guilty before a holy God. And so that's a good passage to use as well. Uh, also, Titus. I love Titus. This was on our, uh, our T-shirts. And, and Chibimba says, And not by works of righteousness. <laughs> uh, uh, which, which we have done, but according to the mercy has saved us by the washing and the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's not by anything good we can do, but by what he's done. Jesus paid it all, and it was enough. It was enough. And these are things that we can use as we communicate to people that, uh, you know, no matter what you have done, no matter how, uh, how, how bad you've been, Jesus paid it all, and you are covered. And for those people who are good people, and that's sometimes it's very hard to witness and, and see a, have a good person receive Christ. Why? Because they're good. You know, they're, nice, they're nicer than you are. 
you know? I mean, really. You, I mean, I come across a lot of nice people, and they're very friendly, very kind people. Sometimes they, they can put Christians to shame on how loving and kind that they can be. Uh, one of our, uh, uh, our young lady, our student pastor's wife, brother, uh, Miss Bridget, uh, she was like that. Uh, she grew up, her, her dad was a Jehovah Witness, and her mom went to the United Church of Zambia. So you have these, basically these works-based uh, teachings that you got to be a good person for God to accept you. And, and she had been going to church for a while now, and, uh, you know, she, 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 was, she was just a good person, you know, really good. Doesn't, she didn't cause problems. She wasn't sleeping around with other people, wasn't doing all these other bad things that all of her friends were doing. She was a good person. And so we got the chance to lead her to Christ. And I often I will use her testimony because they, a lot of people, they know her. They'll come to our church and they'll see Miss Bridget. And I say, you know, Miss Bridget, she was a nice person too. You know, and she believed that that's how you get to heaven is by being good. And she accepted Christ because she realized she couldn't. Sometimes it's even good to use other people's testimonies about how they got saved. And uh, it's not by what we do. And we know that as Christians, but it's good to be able to tell other people what we believe and why we believe it. And this is the last one right here, is that we also need to defend with your life. Now, the first kind of points were kind of like, uh, kind of like an introduction. And uh, I, I remember in summer camp, we had a slogan that says, uh, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Are you blonde? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Okay, no, we'll say it slow. Your walk talks, this is an echo time. Your walk talks, your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. All right, basically, basically simply saying the, the way that we live our lives is a representation of what we believe. And so we can talk and preach to people about Christ until we're blue in the face. But many times you will find that that person you're giving the gospel to will not just immediately fall down and ask you for salvation, ask that person to tell you how to get to heaven. I have, I've only had one person ever come to me and run up to me and say, I want Jesus as my Savior. And he was a crazy guy running out in the middle of the night, and he opened up the gate. He's like, Defoy, Yesu Christu, and he was shouting out, and we, somehow they let him in the gate, and he was like nuts in the head. But that was the only person I've ever had come to me and say, I want Jesus as my Savior. The only one ever. You know, so most of the time when you're going out and you're sharing with your friend and you're telling this other person about Christ, they're not going to immediately just fall down and ask Jesus to save them. And sometimes that can be discouraging. Okay? Uh, those individuals. And sometimes you get the privilege and the blessing. Maybe somebody's been telling that person for a while. Maybe they've been going to church. Maybe they got invited to, to hear this Christian speaker. Maybe they did this or did that. And they've been hearing a little bit by the water in the gospel. And then you share the gospel and they accept Christ. But most of the time, that's not going to happen. Most of the time, when you share your faith, it's going to take a while to work on the individual. And, and, and the thing is, is when, once you give them the gospel, then you got to live it out. And that's where it's really hard uh, many times for believers because, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just that uh, we like being religious sometimes, but then we like to be like the world. And so we kind of play this game back and forth with God, and people see it. People know who we are. 
People know what kind of lifestyles we live. I mean, you can come to church today and go out and do terrible things the next day. God knows that. We know that. We know our hearts. We know what the, Jeremiah tells us, that our hearts are desperately wicked above all things. We know who we are before a holy God. And we'd like to play games with God. And guess what? People see that. People see how we live our lives. And when we are trying to tell them, hey, you know, I want to invite you this Easter Sunday. And they're looking at you going, I'm not going to go to church with you. Look how you live your life. You're a hypocrite. I remember, uh, you know, there's, there's, there are times that I have failed. Can you believe it? I have messed up. Can you? You said it too quickly, and you're not even my wife. You know, Bar Barbie, she's got, she probably has a long list of all the stupid things I do. You know, and she's got a, uh, she's got a memory, too, like an elephant. She does not forget never forgets. I mean, she'll bring things up that I did, you know, 15 years ago and say, I'm like, she goes, you always do that. I said, when's the last time? And she tells me the time, but about 15 years ago, I'm like, I do this all the time. I guess if I only do it once every 15 years, that's not too bad. But then, no, I'm to give myself, but you know how it is. We mess up. We do stupid things. You know, we are stupid people. Did you know that? Amen? Did you know you're stupid? It's okay. Join the stupid club. That's why God calls us sheep. Because we're stupid. We do stupid things. We know the right thing to do, and yet we do the opposite of what, what it is. You know, it's kind of like the cow that gets to, close to the, the grass on the other side, and there's a barbed wire fence, yet that cow's going to get his head all in there, get all cut up. Why? Because he wants that grass. And we're like that with sin. We get all up in there. You know, we want to get just a little bit of it, you know, and we get ourselves all cut up, and we mess up. And when that happens, we have, a, we, have, we have a couple options. One, we can act like, you know, we really didn't do anything wrong, even though everybody watched us. You ever lost your temper? Huh? I, I, I love playing basketball, okay? But, you know, I like to win. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to be honest. I like to win. I don't like to lose, okay? If, if you're going to play a game, you better play to win. Because there's no reason to play if you're not going to win. There's, playing for fun is wrong. That's, that's just wrong answer. I'm playing for fun. Just go sit down if you're playing for fun. I want you to come play for win. Because I, I, I want people on my team that want to win, you know, not just play for fun. And so, you know, I, one day I got with our student pastor, we got into a heated argument at the, at the local high school, at the basketball court. And, I mean, no bad words were cursed out, but, you know, I was like, you're stupid, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And he was yelling back, ah, da 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 we were just going back and forth, you know. And he walked home, and I drove off, and, you know, <laughs> I had the car that day, so I drove off. <laughs> he walked home. Um, but, you know, we worked it out. We apologized. We prayed about it. But you know what I had to do the next day? I had to go up to those young people and say he was wrong. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I didn't do that. No. I, I went up there and said, you know, I, I blew it yesterday. I messed up. That's not the way I'm supposed to act. I'm not perfect. You guys know me. I, I try my best to do what God wants me to do. I failed. And sometimes as believers, we need to be willing to make that humble decision to say, hey, I messed up. You know, when you got angry or you did the wrong thing and, and you saw, people saw what you did. And just be apologetic. 
And that goes a long way because most of the time, guess what? When people do some of the things that we feel bad about, people don't even care most of the time. But when it's a Christian, they're looking even more closely. Are you genuine? Are you gonna are you gonna back up what you're preaching? You're telling me this is how I get to heaven, and you know we got a bunch of people today there that as Barbie was speaking uh, t- speaking about that little girl, we got people that have an agnostic view about God. They got a view that uh, you know uh, maybe they believe in God, maybe if He exists, and then you got people who are just completely atheistic. They're, there's no their evolution in their mindset. They don't believe in God at all, and they're watching you. They're watching the way you live your life. Are you going to back up what you're preaching about? You say you're a Christian, you got the Christian t-shirt, you got the Christian bands on your arm. Are you going to back up what you believe? Because that's the God. They don't believe the word of God is true. So how, you, how do you reach a people that doesn't believe the word of God is true? By the way you love other people, the way that you live your life, the way that you uh, help out other individuals, they see Christ in your life. Yes, they need to hear the truth. We understand that. They need to hear the truth. Uh, the scripture teaches us that. You know, Romans uh, 10, 13, and 14 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear uh, without a preacher? They have to hear the gospel. They're not gonna, there was a, a movement not too long ago, and it was just, you know, if you just love people, people are just going to come to Jesus. That's not true. Yes, it's great. You've got to love them, yes. But people are just not going to come to Jesus. They have to hear the truth. And so you have to present the gospel, but you have to back it up. And sometimes, you know, you'll get doorways. You'll get little, part, little, little windows of opportunity. You know, maybe they'll have a family member that dies. Maybe they have, this, uh, they have an injury, or maybe they went to the hospital. I remember being, uh, I was in Bible college. Uh, it was my senior year. I was already married. I worked at a lawn care company. And uh, one of the guys that worked there uh, on the trucks, he, he got really sick, and he was in the hospital. And, and uh, uh, we went all to visit them. And while I was there, I had all my work guys, the guys that worked with me, had about 10 guys around this guy's bed, all lost. Some of them were kind of religious a bit, you know. They maybe grew up in a church somewhere, never accepted Christ. But they were there with me. And I got the chance to lead that guy that they thought that was going to die, led him to Christ right there on, the, on, the, on his deathbed. He ended up recovering, uh, which was a huge praise. Uh, but uh, they, they walked away from that, and they were just, they couldn't, they didn't say anything. Because that was, and that was one of those open doors that we get that maybe during the work day, they would not listen to anything I said. But at that time, they wanted to hear what I had to say because they saw some, they knew he was dying and they didn't want that God to spend eternity without God, even though they really didn't know who God was or what, what they believed about God, but they wanted that. And we find opportunities like that all the time to share our faith. And, and, and when you ask God, God, give me the chances to share my faith. God is going to give you those opportunities. He's going to bring people across your path. We talked about yesterday. You can be in the checkout line of the grocery store, okay, that you get that opportunity to share the faith with that mom, with that young kid. Or it may be, you know, at the, uh, out there when you open up uh, the upward sporting events out here, and you'll have those families, you know, coming. You say you'll have that chance. Maybe you're refereeing, or maybe you're just kind of helping out. Maybe you're doing those devotions with them, and you'll get the chance to give the gospel to those people. Take those opportunities. 
because, you know, I believe that is the desire of our hearts, but we shouldn't be timid about it. We have an awesome God that gives us the power, who equips us, and to helps us, and, and it's not God's fault if you're not studying his word. The Bible tells us to study to show thyself approved. We need to be, and it's not just for preachers. We need to be in God's word. We need to be asking him for wisdom. We need to be asking him for opportunities. And when the opportunities arrive, we don't need to back down. Now, I am not perfect in any of these areas. I struggle with them just as much. And I, I remember in, in uh, my, after my freshman year of college, I, went, to, I ba- went back home to visit my family, and I saw a guy that I went to high school with. And I knew that God was wanting me to talk to him about the Lord. But I, was, I don't know why, for some reason I had a fear in me, and I shied away. And I still regret it. I still think about it. Sometimes today I even think about that guy. I wonder how he's doing. I wonder if anybody ever told him the gospel because I was too ashamed to speak to him and tell him about Christ. I was too afraid of what he would think of me. I was afraid of rejection. We mess up sometimes. We hold our tongue when we know we should be proclaiming and shouting from the rooftops who Jesus is. And I believe that's our desire. And I believe Satan just kind of whispers in the ear, you can't do that. If you do that, they're, they're, they're not going to like you anymore. If you do that, they're not going to listen to you. You know, you're such a hypocrite. Here's one. You're such a hypocrite. Why would they listen to you? All the things that you've done wrong in your life? They're not going to listen to you. Don't even try it. But our God's a great God, and he's merciful. And he's called us to do something great. And that's to share the story of Jesus Christ. To, to defend what we believe with all of our hearts, with all of ourselves, and to live it out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, you are, you're an awesome God. I thank you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you, God, that you give us the your word and you give us a, your power and your spirit to be able to speak out to people and tell them uh, about your son, to tell them that you love them and that with you, you can have they can have not just a religion, God, but a relationship. And I don't know, God, maybe there's someone here today that hasn't trusted you, God. I pray that today would be their day of salvation, that today they would uh, just trust in you and stop depending upon religion or their good deeds or good works, but would trust in you alone for their salvation. I pray, God, that you would help us to have a boldness, Lord, to proclaim your truth. I pray that you would help us to be uh, harmless as doves and wise as serpents. You know, we know that the, the evil one wants to uh, just keep this world blind and, and keep them from knowing the truth. And we know God so, also, well, God, that you called us out to proclaim this truth. And we pray, God, that we would uh, have those opportunities and that when we, those opportunities come, God, we would use them. Thank you so much, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for grace. Thank you for another day to serve you. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name.